Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elwin with the Department of Communication. After taking a week off, we're back and better than ever. And this week, we'll be discussing two major improvements to the patient experience that have been implemented recently, e-check-in and mobile arrival. Before we get into that, be sure to go back and check out any episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes can also be found each Friday as part of the headlines we can review, and the newest episodes can also be found on YouTube. All right, now let's bring in Balkis Al-Hadi, Director of Business Operations with the U of M Medical Group. She's here to discuss the new initiatives that are improving patient care at Michigan Medicine. Balkis, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, first, can you give a general overview of what a touchless check-in experience is like at Michigan Medicine and what patients can expect? Sure. Um, So when you think about touchless check-in, think about any other area that you might be getting a service and not really having to interact with um, the staff that are there for notification of arrival. Um, Essentially what the touchless check-in experience is, is it allows the patient to do their check-in online prior to arriving to the clinic. um, And then also indicating Um, when they arrive to the clinic, that they are now physically present um, so that the clinical staff know that the patient is there and and are able then to call them back to um, the patient exam room and and deliver the care that is needed for the patient. Mm. So how does this compare to sort of previous check-in experiences? Um, So in in previous check-in experiences, if a patient um, completed e-check-in, There was still the component for mobile arrival. Um, So you complete the e-check-in. E-check-in could be completed up to 72 hours prior to your visit. And so in order for the clinic to know that you are now physically there, you still had to get in the check-in line um, to actually speak to someone and indicate that you're in the clinic space. With this new process, um, depending on which option the patient chooses, If you have your location services on, the system will use geolocations to identify that you are now present, and it will send you a prompt as a patient to confirm that you are in the clinic, and that will then notify the clinic staff that you are there. The alternative for those who do not have location services turned on within their phone is that they can log in and say, I'm here via the portal. And that then notifies the staff that you are physically present and within the clinic and are, are ready to receive care. Gotcha. And I actually I used two of those recently, you know, both of those recently. And it was kind of amazing. You get in there and, and I didn't have to do anything before seeing, you know, somebody come out and call you back to go into the room. And I, I literally had not talked to anybody. It was kind of a cool experience um, to, to use technology in that way. So how did this pro- program get rolling in the first place? Um, so we were actually already looking at this functionality prior to um, the start of COVID. Um, we were running into some challenges and changes that we needed to make um, at an institutional level. Um, uh, they're fairly technical, so I'll leave those details out. But um, there, there was a key decision point that needed to be made in order for us to turn on that mobile arrival function. I think when COVID hit and as we were reopening our clinics, the need to try to minimize that interaction with patients um, became even more critical. 
Um, and when I say minimize the interaction, it's not that we don't want to in, um, interact with the patients, but it's really for purposes of the patient safety. Um, we accelerated our timeline for this and um, moved forward with some critical decisions um, to be able to implement the functionality. So not to get into necessarily all the details on the technical side of things, but really who was involved in the planning and execution of this project? Um, so there were definitely a, a large group in, in many areas across the organization had to participate to move this work forward. Um, we had our operational leaders, we had pro project managers, um, the Cadence business team, and then a lot of teams within the MyChart group. So the Cadence technical team, um, the HIM Grand Central team, Prelude and others. Um, we also engaged our training team. So our ACES Ambulatory Care Education Services group, as well as the Revenue Cycle training team were um, heavily involved. We partnered with Revenue Cycle and then also the Office of Patient Experience because we really wanted to get feedback from our PFAC groups regarding their current experiences using this functionality and what they would like to see in the future. And then as we thought about um, ensuring we can integrate the screening process um, for it to really truly be um, touchless, we started to engage and work with our facilities team and our IPE team as well. So as you can see, um, many areas throughout the organization um, within the medical group and across um, and outside of the medical group. So um, it was a, a true collaboration across the organization. Yeah, it, it's clearly a huge effort. And, and at a time where not everyone can get into the same room, right, and, and work together, you've got to do this all virtually. It, it, it's really been a Herculean task and, and um, a, a great job by everyone involved. Now, we've talked a lot about what the project is, but I sort of want to break it down even a little bit more for our listeners to make sure that they truly understand what we're talking about. Can you talk through a typical quote unquote journey for a patient who utilizes these new touchless processes from the time they log in online to the time they may see a clinician? Sure. Um, so first thing I would say is it requires for the individual patient to be portal active. And so if you are not using um, the Michigan Medicine Portal um, or My U of M Health, then that is something I would definitely encourage our um, patients to enroll in. Um, but that is a requirement to use the service. Once you are enrolled within the portal, there are a couple of different ways um, that a patient could um, use the service. Prior to your appointment, a patient receives a, a reminder if they are on the portal through their email and they can complete e-check-in through that route. Um, that email goes out about 72 hours prior to their appointment. Um, if the patient chooses not to do the e-check-in at that time, maybe they're not sure yet if they're gonna um, arrive to the appointment or um, maybe there are other reasons, they will receive, if they are enrolled in text message reminders, they will receive a text message reminder that has a link to the e-check-in page. And they can click on the link and complete the e-check-in process at that time. There's also a link to the screening um, uh, survey, which is more around the, the COVID symptoms. And um, we ask that patients complete that at that time as well. The e-check-in process will ask for patient demographics. It's gonna ask you to verify key things related to um, your uh, patient account. And then um, it, you know, ask any other questionnaires that might be uh, needed uh, in order to complete the check-in process. 
Once you complete the e-check-in, there's no additional action needed at that time until you arrive to the clinic. When you arrive in the clinic, um, if your location services is turned on your phone um, and through the app, then the MyChart will use geolocation services to recognize that you are now within the uh, physical building and um, indicate that uh, it will send you a prompt to indicate and confirm that you truly are there. Um, you as the patient will then confirm that yes, you are present or you'll say no. Um, and if you say no, it'll send a reminder after a certain period of time to confirm that you are there. If you do say yes, you'll receive a notification with one of two prompts. It'll either indicate that you are all set and you can have a seat, but there may be scenarios where a patient still needs to present to the front desk because there's maybe you answered something in the e-check-in that requires additional follow-up. And those may be things that we just could not build into the process electronically and really requires you to engage with um, a staff member. In that scenario, you'll receive a notification indicating um, that you're checked in, but please proceed to the front desk um, so that way that additional work can be completed. Um, for those that do not need to present to the front desk, you can then have a seat in the lobby and um, wait for someone to call you back. And for those that need that additional follow-up, you would present to the front desk, they'll complete um, the follow-up and then um, check, um, that will complete the check-in process and, and you can have a seat and wait to be um, taken back. Outstanding. Now, can we expect anything further in relation to touchless patient experiences moving forward? Um, yes, yeah, so there are a few more options that we're exploring. Um, my chart is um, my my chart has indicated that there is functionality such as two-way SMS messaging that might be coming down the pike, um, which allows us to message and actually communicate with the patient through text message. So the patient in in the environment today, patients cannot. Um, really uh, respond to the messages that they receive. They're really one way. Um, in the future, we hope to have two-way SMS messaging um, and uh, other types of messaging functionality um, that allow us to engage with our patients in a different way. So a lot to look forward to, huh? Yes. Things are always changing with technology. Well, thank you so much, Balkis, for explaining this to us. If you want to learn more about touchless check-in and other improved experiences, a feature story ran a few weeks ago back at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. You can also visit that site to find other important stories from recent days. For instance, faculty and staff were asked to recognize their superstar colleagues who have stepped up in recent months. If you have an MVP that you'd like to recognize, send an email to headlines at med.umich.edu and let us know why your coworker is so amazing. There's also a feature on Krista Moran, a member of Interpreter Services, who recently won the Neubacher Award as the university's top champion for disability rights. Employees earned Making a Difference Awards for demonstrating the core value of caring, and readers learned about the virtual Quality Month celebration that took place throughout October. Find all those stories and much more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last episode, we asked listeners, the Kellogg Eye Center recently created a drive-through clinic to meet with patients dealing with which health condition? The answer is glaucoma, and staff utilize the clinic to measure intraocular pressure. Congratulations to Cindy Danko, who sent in the correct answer. Cindy, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch to help you claim your prize.
Now for this week's question. Who was the winner of the inaugural Jack Billy Award for Inspiring Quality Improvement? Once again, who was the winner of the inaugural Jack Billy Award for Inspiring Quality Improvement? You can find the answer in this week's Quality Month Recap. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Falkis, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.